Welcome to the Choose You Netcast. This is Jim Langlois with the word from Joshua 24, 15. Choose you this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's my prayer that this netcast will encourage and cheer you on as we join forces to draw the line in the sand, defending our faith and our households in the resurrection power of Jesus. Join me each weekday as we dig deeply into God's amazing word and bring up the rich treasures of his blessings. Are you ready? Choose you this day. Whom you will serve. But that's for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house. I said, choose you this day, whom you will serve. But that's for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house. Good morning, Networld, and thank you for tuning in. Are you ready to get into the word? Well, I'm ready too. We're continuing in the Family Bible Revolution, or a second title would be How to Have Family Worship. We'll be covering the five essentials for the Family Bible Revolution, being family worship, authority, appointed and anointed, generational, and church worship. We've had a great time getting things established, and now let's continue where we left off yesterday concerning the speaking of the prophets. We ended yesterday by saying the prophets of Malachi and John the Baptist may have prophesied about you. Malachi says in chapter 4, verses 5 through 6, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Verse 6, And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. You see, Malachi was written about 430 years before Christ. He prophesied an end-time revival with a sign and wonder of restoration between fathers and their children. John the Baptist again prophesied these same words concerning the return of the Lord. In Luke chapter 1, verses 16 through 17, it says, And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. The last prophecy of the Old Testament and the first of the New Testament both declare an end time revival before the return of the Lord. They do not mention anything about large evangelistic meetings massive outpourings of repentance, or an increase in amazing miracles. This does not mean those manifestations will not take place. However, they do mention one thing that definitely will, the hearts of the fathers turning to their children. Was John the Baptist, the Elijah, the prophet in the spirit and power of Elijah to come? Jesus said he was. Then he told us we need to be willing to listen and receive it. In Matthew eleven fourteen through 15, it says, And if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Hear and receive what? We need to pay attention very closely. This is a major key for us to be ready and prepared for the Lord's return. Again, reading Malachi 4, 
5 through 6, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Why is it called the great and dreadful day of the Lord? Because for some, this will be a great day of grace. But for others, this will be a dreadful day of judgment. Obedience, faith, and faithfulness to the law in Israel. Abraham had these characteristics. Do we? Are we? Will we? Or at the judgment seat of Christ, will our works be judged worthless? This is very important. Psalm 78, 5-8 again. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not set its heart aright, and whose spirit was not faithful to God. It's simply defined as family worship. That's how fathers will command their household and their children in the ways of the Lord. Richard Baxter, the Reformed pastor who lived from 1615 to 1691, in a theology of the family, is quoted as saying the following concerning his job as a pastor. If we suffer the neglect of this, we undo all. What is he talking about? Teaching how to have family worship. What are we like to do ourselves to the reforming of a congregation if all the work be cast on us alone and masters of families will let fall that necessary duty of their own by which they are bound to help us? If any good begun by the ministry in any soul in a family, a careless, prayerless, worldly family is like to stifle it or very much hinder it. Whereas if you, and he's talking to other pastors, could but get the rulers of families to do their part and take up the work where you left it and help it on, what abundance of good might be done by it. As I have elsewhere showed more at large, he continues, I beseech you, therefore, do all that you can to promote this business. He's talking about teaching families to have family worship. Do all you can to promote this business as ever you desire the true reformation and welfare of your parishes. You see, we need to recover the belief that God's purpose for and instruction of the family is a vital aspect of life in the world. We need to affirm in our generation that God created the family as an important element in the outworking of his eternal purpose. First, God created the family to give structure and order to the human beings that he made in his image. Second, the family provides the essential labor of teaching and preparation of children for churches, communities, cultures, and nations. Third, God created the family in order to pass the gospel from one generation to the next. And finally, God designed the family to be a living demonstration of various aspects of the glory of the gospel and the embodiment of biblical truths. And Scott Brown says in the book, A Theology of Family, this is why God has ordained that the family is the fountainhead of culture. It is the first place on earth that culture is made, and it is formational of all other cultures. There are ancient landmarks mentioned in the word, and it says do not remove them. 
Proverbs 22, 28 says, Do not remove the ancient landmark which your fathers have set. What does that mean? It means our fathers in the faith have set some landmarks, and we shouldn't move them. In the message version, it says it this way, Don't stealthily move back the boundary lines staked out long ago by your ancestors. The New Bible Dictionary, in the definition of this word landmark here, says Canaan was divided among the Israelite tribes, and to each family was given a plot of land to provide its livelihood. This was passed from father to son, or at least kept within the tribe, quoting Numbers 27, 1 through 11 and 36, from which it was theoretically inalienable. To remove these was tantamount to removing a man's claim and was a lawless act. It was a sign of evil times when men dared to do so. The word inalienable means not transferable to another or capable of being rejected or denied. In other words, it's firm and forever. The very next chapter in Proverbs speaks of this again. In Proverbs 23, 10 through 11, it says, Do not remove the ancient landmark, nor enter the fields of the fatherless. For their Redeemer is mighty. He will plead their cause against you. And in the message version, it says, Don't stealthily move back the boundary lines or cheat orphans out of their property. For they have a powerful advocate who will go to bat for them. Why are we suddenly hearing of the fatherless? What could a landmark have to do with orphans? In Nelson's New Illustrated Bible Dictionary, in speaking about the word landmark, it says, It's a boundary line indicated by a stone or other monument. These monuments were erected to mark the separation of fields, territories, and nations. The law of Moses prohibited the removal of these landmarks in Deuteronomy 19.14 and pronounced a curse upon those who did in Deuteronomy 27.17. Scripture many times holds both a natural truth and a spiritual truth. I believe that's the case with ancient landmarks. We know speaking naturally, if the boundary lines of property for a household's living, prosperity, and future inheritance are moved, it declares the loss of their current prosperity and their future inheritance for generations to come. The ancient father's boundaries have disappeared and created orphans with no prosperity or inheritance. Speaking spiritually, if the boundaries of the truths in God's word are moved, it declares the loss of current prosperity and future inheritance. You see, if we move God's boundaries of salvation, deliverance, healing, marriage, and so on, our children will be spiritual orphans and not inherit the promises of God, including the inheritance of eternal life in heaven. Have the ancient landmarks, boundaries of salvation, sexual immorality, marriage, family, murder, including abortion, judgment, hell, and more been moved? Absolutely. Satan is attempting to move them further and further from the truth of God's word. Remember, if you remove the boundaries, you lose the inheritance. Deuteronomy 19.14 says, You shall not remove your neighbor's landmark, which the men of old have set, in your inheritance, which you will inherit in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. The ancient landmarks, the boundaries, are both natural and spiritual. They are not only land, prosperity, and inheritance, but salvation, forgiveness, healing, deliverance, and eternal life in heaven. What are the spiritual landmarks set by the fathers? How about the Ten Commandments? 
How about tithing and giving? How about corporate worship on the Sabbath? The ancient landmarks have been set by the fathers, our ancestors. We even call Abraham the father of the faith. Where are the boundaries supposed to be set? In the household of family. Who are they to be set by? They are to be set by the master of the house. Genesis eighteen sixteen through 19. Then the men arose from there and looked toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them to send them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing, since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he's spoken to him. And again, Psalm 78, 5 through 6, For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children. Well, once again, that's all the time we have today. So I look forward to being with you in my next netcast. Mark your calendars, set your clock, and tune in next time as we continue in establishing the family Bible revolution through family worship in our homes. I call you blessed. You have been listening to the Choose You Netcast with Jim Langlois. If you have enjoyed this program, you can find out more about Jim Langlois Ministries on the Master's House website at tmhnow.org. That's tmhnow.org. On the media tab, you can listen to many more messages, subscribe to my daily devotional emails, and follow the link to my blog site. If you'd like to write me or become a financial partner with this ministry, my address is the Master's House, Post Office Box 1568, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23116. That's the Master's House, Post Office Box 1568, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23116. Online donations can also be made at tmhnow.org, and my email address is pastorjim at tmhnow.org. This is Jim Langlois saying be blessed, you and your whole household. Until next time. Choose you this day, but that's for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house.